Welcome to it. On today's podcast, we're going to be talking about the school closures in Ontario, the new COVID vaccines, are they vaccines or gene therapy, and the brave new world that the elites are pushing us all into. Prepare yourself. You're about to listen to another episode of the Good is Dumb podcast. The sworn enemy of good's dumbness, and the podcast for all us dummies who fear God more than they fear man. Now here are your hosts, L and CB. Welcome to today's podcast. On today's podcast, as just mentioned, uh, the theme of today's podcast is... A brave new world, a new fantastic point of view. Because on today's podcast, we're going to be talking about um, the elements of the brave new world that we're already seeing and that we will see in the coming months and years as um, we move away from Western values. We move away from, from classical liberalism and Christian freedom. Uh, and the values associated with that towards a new totalitarian globalist leftist agenda um, for society. Mm-hmm. Um, and so um, before we start, I just want to remind everyone that uh, we really appreciate uh, you all listening today. Um, remember, we, we, we really want to get, uh, if you like the podcast, we would really love it if you would share us to your friends and family. Um, remember, you can follow us and, and, uh, connect with us at twitter and facebook um and again once parlor's back up we hope to be back on parlor um and as always you can rate and, and listen to more of the podcasts on spotify google podcasts youtube or wherever you get your podcasts um so we're we're gonna jump right in here um but before we begin uh here's l for good news bad news in the week that was good news bad news in the week that was canada which has pinned its hopes on vaccines to get to get to return to normal, we'll be receiving no Pfizer Biotech vaccine shipments next week due to production issues in Europe, meaning that Ontario now faces a major drop in vaccine supply by 80%. Also, we can now be racist. Since while calling COVID-19 the China virus has been deemed discriminatory against Chinese people by our government and the mainstream news, Apparently, that is not the case when we call the new variants of COVID, the UK variant, the South African variant, and the Brazil variant. Begging the question, either is it okay to discriminate against black people, Latinos, and the Boers, or is it perhaps that we no longer live in the British Commonwealth, but instead the Communist Commonwealth of China? In other news, the Great Reset is no longer a conspiracy theory. The Davos Agenda was held by the World Economic Forum this week from January 25th to January 29th, 2021, and consisted of an entire week of global programming that was dedicated to helping leaders choose innovative and bold solutions to stem the pandemic and drive a robust recovery over the next year. With the Davos Agenda marking the launch of the World Economic Forum's Great Reset Initiative, With the World Economic Forum taking the opportunity to focus each day on one of the five domains of the Great Reset Initiative, 
Oh, and in the great, if the great reset isn't terrifying enough, this just in the planet is over and capitalism is dead. Let's take a listen. The pandemic has radically changed the world as we know it. And the actions we take today as we work to recover will define our generation. Now is the time to think what history would say about this crisis. 2020 has been challenging on a lot of levels, as economic, environmental and societal frailties have been laid bare. But it's also proved that when we need to, we can act rapidly and restructure our lives. The recovery from the pandemic is an opportunity. We can see rays of hope in the form of a vaccine, but there is no vaccine for the planet. Nature needs a bailout. You don't want to go back to the status quo that you had before simply because it was the status quo that got us here. With everything falling apart, we can reshape the world in ways we couldn't before. Ways that better address so many of the challenges we face. And that's why so many are calling for a great reset. A great reset? That sounds more like buzzword bingo masking some nefarious plan for world domination. Hands up, this kind of slogan hasn't gone down well. But all we really want to say is that we all have an opportunity to build a better world. And it's not surprising that people who've been disenfranchised by a broken system and pushed even further by the pandemic will suspect global leaders of conspiracy. But the world's not that simple. Every one of us has differing priorities, values, and ideas. That's part of why solutions are so hard to come by and why we all need to be involved in the decision-making. Because whether it's politicians, CEOs, academics, activists, or you, we're all about getting people together, even those you may not like, to sit down at the table and develop solutions that work for all of us. But... Very enormous trust between the private sector and the public sector for this to actually work. That trust is hard to come by. It's time for people to work together, listen to each other and build this trust so we can move towards a better world. And we really need one. Because while the pandemic affects us all, it's clear it affects some more than others. The first people who are hit are the people at the front, those who are vulnerable. It is those on the front line who take it first. And that is simply unacceptable. See, at the start of 2020, 1% of the world's population owned 44% of the wealth. And since the start of the pandemic, billionaires have increased theirs by more than 25%, whilst 150 million people fell back into extreme poverty. And with climate change set to dwarf the damage caused by the pandemic, the message from 2020 should be abundantly clear. Capitalism, as we know it, is dead. This obsession that we have had with maximizing profits for shareholders alone has led to incredible inequality and a planetary emergency. But no one can do this alone, and top-down approaches won't get us anywhere, because everything we've learned in our work has shown us that diverse voices lead to better results. And it's for these reasons that the forum talks about something called stakeholder capitalism, which would shift businesses away from just profit. Because if we want to change where the focus of our recovery will go, then we need a new dashboard for the new economy. And that needs to encompass people, planet, prosperity and institutions. Giving people a real stake in the economy and putting well-being before growth. And that's all about getting the right people in the right place at the right time.
we must rebuild our relationship with nature for the survival of the peoples and our planet. We have a window of time which is closing and we need everybody who cares to get together and find solutions now. And lastly, PETA is working hard on solving the global, the global pandemic of supremacist language regarding speciesism and the use of animal euphemisms, encouraging everyone to recognize the myth that humans are superior to animals, suggesting on their Twitter feed the various ways you can replace com commonly used animal euphemisms in your language. So instead of saying chicken, say coward. Instead of saying rat, say snitch. Instead of saying snake, say jerk. Instead of saying pig, say repulsive. Instead of saying sloth, say lazy. And the list goes on and on. And news that came just in the nick of time for the San Diego gorillas who contracted COVID earlier this month as they are all now expected to make a full recovery a recovery that was aided greatly by the news that PETA was eradicating specious language because, you know, what gorilla would want to live in a world dominated by specious language? And that was Good News, Bad News in the week that was. Thank you, Al. Um, so that just gives you a little rundown on the news of the week. Um, so we're going to jump right in here. So in Ontario... Uh, which is the only province to deal with school closures. Um, the schools were closed for in-person learning over the Christmas break. Um, and as we learned earlier this week, uh, seven Ontario regions uh, reopened for in-class learning. Um, and Education Minister Stephen Lecce uh, informed us that this means that only 100,000 of Ontario's 2 million students will finally be able to return to class for the first time since Christmas break. Um, and he cited the reason for the closure was that um, they needed to implement more measures to reassure parents that schools were safe, including mandatory masking for grades one to three, which, by the way, goes against the advice of sick kids who recommended masking, who recommended against masking young children. Um, according to CB24, the government will also introduce a targeted asymptomatic testing regime to spot COVID-19 cases. Um, as a recent study found that at least one in three COVID-19 infections are asymptomatic. Um, and as I just mentioned, Ontario is currently the only jurisdiction in the country where schools remain closed. So for whatever reason, Ontario can't get its act together when it comes to its schools. Um, and instead of admitting its failures and getting children into the classroom as, fa as fast as possible, um, which, by the way, according to the Sick Kids report in June... Uh, is what was recommended. They are masking their incompetence by talking about how they need to improve the safety of the classrooms before kids can return to um, school. And so uh, the Minister of Education, Stephen Lecce, actually released a statement on his Twitter feed, an official statement about this. Um, and and in the statement, you can hear is, is the hypocrisy. So... Uh, I'm just going to read a little bit of it. So Stephen Lecce, Ontario's Minister of Education, issued the following <clears throat> statement. Our priority throughout this pandemic has to, been to keep students safe, students and staff safe. Sick kids confirmed that the return to school this past fall was successful at a time when community transmission was low. 
So again, he's already trying to obfuscate and he's already trying to say, we were following the sick kids advice, which wasn't accurate because sick kids actually encouraged that Ontario encouraged parents to bring their children back to the classroom, which was not done. Um, and and he, this, this obfuscation is clearly pointed out by his own words because he says, while sick kids confirmed that the return to school this past fall was successful at a time when community transmission was low, leading medical experts have stated that schools in Ontario remain safe. So even despite this new spike in COVID cases, with school boards reporting approximately 80% of schools at the end of last year not reporting an active case, and 99.6% of students never having reported a case of COVID. Um, however, as usual, the, he continues, we will continue to review our plan and ensure it provides our school with the latest safety measures and protocols so our students and staff have maximum protection. So, in other words, it was such a great success that we re... The, the way we reopen the schools and the medical experts are saying that there's no reason to change anything, but we're going to do, we're going to make sure that we're going to kowtow to the teacher unions and keep them on vacation by not reopening the schools in the name of safety. And I just want to talk about this, this focus on asymptomatic um, spread asymptomatic cases, because he mentions that in his official statement that they're now going to, really focus in and hone in on asymptomatic cases. Uh, a new study, uh, this is from the Epoch Times, study finds asymptomatic spread not a significant source of the CCP virus pandemic. So that's, a, they call it the CCP virus, that's COVID-19 virus pandemic. So uh, in this report, uh, I'm going to quote now, the most recent study from China on the prevalence of the infection after a lockdown found no transmission of the COVID-19 virus among people who were in close contact with asymptomatic patients contradicting the current narrative that asymptomatic transmission plays a major role in the pandemic. The study, published in Nature, identified 300 asymptomatic positive cases through a massive screening program of more than 9 million Chinese citizens post-lockdown in Wuhan. So again, that's the epicenter of the virus. So this, they did this medical study involves 9 million Chinese people with COVID-19 in the epicenter of Wuhan. So samples of all the asymptomatic cases were also cultured in the lab, and no viable virus was found, meaning it cannot transmit a virus. So out of the 9 million, there were only 300 that had, had asymptomatic cases, and of those 300, none of them could transmit the virus. Um, it continues, the authors also found that 190 of the 300 asymptomatic samples tested positive for antibodies, indicating a possible recent COVID-19 infection, or the PCR test resulted in a false positive. So, of those 300, some of these people, we don't even know if they had COVID. The scientists identified and followed 1,174 close contacts of the asymptomatic cases and found that none of the contacts tested positive for COVID-19. They noted, compared with symptomatic patients, asymptomatic infected persons generally have low quantity of viral loads and a short duration of viral shedding, which decreases the transmission of SARS-CoV-2. This study confirms that physici what physicians have known and non-scientific have suspected for millennia, namely that asymptomatic transmission has never been the primary source of outbreaks, Dr. Simone Gold, MD and founder of, founder of America's Frontline Doctors, stated. So we know, so this test clearly shows that out of 9 million people that had the virus in Wuhan, 300 were asymptomatic, and of those 300, none of them, despite coming into contact with over 1,000 people, spread the virus. And yet, our Ontario government is again going against the medical data, against the 
the the recommendations from the medical experts and closing schools. So that should that should beg the question why? And again, it's because the teachers unions do not want to teach when they can sit at home and get paid and continue to grow their power base. While meanwhile your your children are sitting at home being being uh uh with their not being educated and if your children do go to class they're being they're being as the sick kids report in June said they're being psychologically abused because of all the social distancing and this masking that they're forcing on your children if they do go to school um and and can i just say that as christians we should already know that this is this focus on asymptomatic cases is bs because in leviticus 1345 to 46 it states um when it comes to communicable defiling diseases uh quote anyone with such a defiling disease must wear torn clothes let their hair be unkempt cover the lower part of their face and cry out unclean unclean as long as they have the disease they remain unclean and they must live alone they must live outside the camp with no mention of people inside the camp needing to be masked no mention of people inside the camp needing to to not be exposed to one another because again if you have no symptoms you have no reason to suspect that you are shedding the virus because the symptoms are what allow the virus to spread. Your runny nose, your cough, your sneezing, that's what allows the virus to spread from person to person. But if you're asymptomatic, the virus is not spreading from your body to other people. Um, and so, so the, this whole closure of the schools is just... One, it's a big waste of time, which unfortunately is affecting our children here in Canada because they're not being educated properly. And the government is lying to us and saying this is in the name of safety when we know that this has nothing to do with safety. It has nothing to do with the medical experts' recommendations. It has nothing to do with the medical data. So uh, again, I I would highly encourage people to educate themselves on the medical data Educate themselves on what your politician is saying to you, because it's in the official statement he even says is we're going against the medical recommendations by the medical experts and start to question these things and start to go to your local school boards, go to your local politicians, petition your governments to say, hey, we want you to make decisions based on the medical data and you're not. And. We don't care how you feel about it. Our children need to be educated. And if they're not going to be educated, then, as I'm a strong proponent of, we need to find alternative methods of schooling for our children outside of the government-run school system so that parents are in control of their children's education and can decide for the their children who have been entrusted to them by God what is best for their children? Not the government. Not the teachers' unions. So anyway, so that's just what's happening in Ontario. It's ridiculous. I mean, even in Quebec, schools are open, and Quebec has way more cases than than Ontario. Um, this, again, is why case numbers don't matter, because case numbers take into account asymptomatic people all the time. Um, and case numbers are a garbage way to... to to try and 
uh, determine whether things should open back up or whether uh, we need more lockdowns. It's a garbage statistic. Hospitalizations, um, the amount of non-asymptomatic people uh, and cases we have, uh, the number of deaths, those are statistics that actually matter and actually should be driving our policy in society regarding COVID. Not case numbers. But unfortunately, the mainstream media, except for Global, which I must, must add, by the way, they, they've begun to, to start looking at some of these variables that actually should affect policy. But the mainstream media and the government continue to focus on case numbers, and that is a garbage way to try and formulate policy to deal with this virus. Now, uh, as as was mentioned in uh, the in the good news, bad news in the week that was, um, vaccines are becoming uh, more prevalent. Um, more vulnerable people, more frontline workers are beginning to receive the vaccines. So I think it's it's a, a a very good time to start talking about what are these vaccines, what are these injections that we're receiving on a mass scale, um, and and I want to start because um, futurist medical inventor and financial expert Dr. David Martin uh, revealed that Moderna admits that the their patents say gene therapy and not vaccine. Um, this is because the the injections put a synthetic RNA fragment embedded into a fat carrier whose only purpose is to lessen the symptoms associated with the S1 spike protein, not the actual virus. So to break that down a little more, so RNA and DNA are very similar. RNA also, um, when your cells split and divide and grow, uh, has to do with the programming of how those cells operate, how those cells, uh, just like DNA. Um, and the, the S1 spike protein is the unique way in which the virus attacks our cells and thus attacks our body um, and attaches itself to our body to attack us. Um, so these injections, whether they're vaccines or gene therapy, are designed to allow the body to recognize the that the S1 spike protein is attaching the virus to us and have an immune response and therefore trigger an immune response that will deal with the virus that's now attaching itself to our body. So, um, so I just want to point out that it is fascinating that we know what vaccines are. We, we generally know what, what to expect when we get vaccines. And yet legally, these injections from Moderna, from Pfizer, Biotech, uh, from other companies that are now coming out with their, um, vaccines, they're filing them as gene therapy and not vaccines. So I just want to dive a little bit more into like, so what actually is the, are these injections? So this is from the CDC, the Center for Disease Control in the U.S. Um, and this is an article that was updated December 18th, so very recently. Um, and it's titled Understanding mRNA COVID-19 Vaccines. So messenger, that's the M in mRNA, messenger RNA vaccines are a new type of vaccine to protect against infectious diseases. They trigger an immune response uh and many to trigger an immune response, many vaccines put a weakened or inactive germ into our bodies, but not our mRNA vaccines. So this is why, again, these injections are not considered vaccines because they are not injecting the virus or the disease into us so that our body learns how to fight it. 
they're instead reprogramming us at at the cellular level in order to be able to fight against these vaccines. So so instead these injections teach our cells how to make a protein or even just a piece of protein that triggers an immune response inside our bodies. Again, once that S1 spike from the COVID-19 um, virus begins to attach itself. Um, and that immune response, which produces antibodies, is what protects us from getting infected if the real virus enters our bodies. This is done by reprogramming your RNA in your immune uh, system cells. At the end of this process, our bodies have learned how to protect against future infection. So, again, even from the CDC, if, if you want to say that Dr. David Martin is a crackpot or he's a one-off or, or that's just his opinion, from the CDC, they even admit that these are not traditional vaccines. These are actually reprogramming our very cells and altering and mutating our very cells. Um... And, and while they claim in the same article that researchers have, researchers have been studying and working with mRNA vaccines for decades, um, and they, they point out that the interest in these mRNA vaccines is not because they're necessarily more effective, it's not because they're necessarily safer, but interest has grown in these vaccines because they can be developed in a laboratory using readily available materials. This means the process can be standardized and scaled up making vaccine development faster than traditional methods of making vaccines. So again, the reason we're getting mRNA vac uh, injections, gene therapy, as opposed to traditional vaccines, is because it's cheaper. So it's not safer, it's not more effective, it's cheaper. And, and as they admit, mRNA vaccines are new, but they're not unknown, because researchers have been using them in experimental labs for quite a while now. But an experimental controlled laboratory is not the same as injecting it into a into a, a, a large number of the public. That is a completely different um, set, set of circumstances. So we really need to begin to understand what these injections are. They're not vaccines. They're actually gene therapy. And, and as Christians, we should really think about that because the Bible is very clear that part of the way we're made in the image of God is the way that God has programmed our bodies to operate through DNA and RNA. So we need to be very careful about whether we actually want or whether it is actually ethical for us as Christians to be receiving gene therapy and for um, us as Christians to be altering our DNA and RNA at such a, a, a foundational level um, uh, because, because again, that, that's part of the way that God created us. That's part of God's image in us is our DNA and RNA and the way it was made. Um, so so th this leads me to my, my next point about these vaccines. So now that we understand what, what these injections are that we're calling vaccines, they're, again, not vaccines. They're actually gene therapy. What are the side effects of these COVID-19 vaccines? So I found this on the American Association of Retired Persons, so AARP. It's one of the biggest groups in terms of representing retired people, elderly people, um, which, it, which in this case with COVID um, tend to be the most vulnerable, um, unless you're a frontline worker and you're dealing with the virus all the time. Um, 
And and in fact, this same group of people that this uh, association is representing are the ones who are receiving the vaccinations first, or are some of the ones to first receive the vaccine. So uh, it says in, in, in this article titled, What are the Side Effects of COVID-19 Vaccines? According to the FDA, which is the Food and Drug Administration in the U.S., the most common side effects among participants in both the Pfizer, Biotech, and Moderna vac- Phase three clinical trials were injection site pain, fatigue, headache, muscle pain, chills, joint pain, and fever. With the reason people need to know about any potential side effects from both the Pfizer Biotech and the Moderna vaccines is because they require two doses given a few weeks apart. And unanticipated side effects from the first shot could deter people from going back for the second. So again, as we already, as most of us know who have been following the news, um, the, the way the Pfizer, Biotech, and Moderna vaccines work is you get the, a first dose, a first injection of the gene therapy. And then you go back a couple weeks later and you get a second injection of the gene therapy to strengthen um, the effects of the first shot. So so after the, the first injection, it's about 62 to 60% effective against the virus. And then once you get the second shot, it's now 90 plus, depending on which um, injection you're receiving, effective against the virus. So... Um, so again, it, they, they go on to say, it's really important that people get two doses and not be thrown off or discouraged. Uh, lastly, in this article, it says, finally knowing that a sore arm or fever is a possible side effect helps ease public alarm, says Hannah L. Sally, MD, Associate Professor of Molecular Viro- Virology and Microbiology at Baylor College of Medicine. Um, and then they go, and then they continue to say side effects for vaccines are not uncommon. The seasonal flu shot, for example, can cause fever and fatigue, among other reactions. And the vaccine to prevent shingles can induce shivering, muscle pain, and upset stomach, to name a few. So again, they're trying to reassure us that these are very this this new experimental vaccines that they're injecting into the public, which has never happened before, are very safe. The the side effects are very mild, um, and and they're not. Uh, the side effects are not dangerous, but that is a lie. And I'm going to prove to you that it's a lie because I have right in front of me from the U S food and drug administration, uh, the FDA safety surveillance of COVID-19 vaccines document in there. It is a list of possible adverse event outcomes. So, so possible adverse side effects of the vaccines. And these include, and I'm going to read them. And there's quite a few here. Julian Barr syndrome. Acute disseminated and encephalomelitis, transverse melatitis, encephalitis, melatitis, convulsions, seizures, strokes, narcolepsy and cataplexy, anaphylaxis, acute microinfraction, myocarditis, autoimmune disease, deaths, pregnancy and birth outcomes, other acute delimitating diseases, non-anaphylactic allergic reactions, thrombocytopenia, disseminated intravascular coagulation, venous thrombolism, arthritis, joint pain, Kawasaki disease, multi-system inflammatory syndrome in children, and vaccine-enhanced disease. So in this list of adverse side effects for the vaccine, those mild side effects that, that everyone is 
is promoting and saying, look how good these vaccines are because they only have these seven mild side effects such as headaches, pain in the injection site, fatigue. They're not even listed here. And instead, things like strokes, deaths, uh, uh, inducing multisystem inflammatory syndrome in children, um, or vaccine-enhanced diseases are listed here. So some people are going to say, well, millions of people, over 10 million people have been, in the U.S. alone, have been already injected with this vaccine. So we haven't heard any stories of of these these terrible side effects that these vaccines have uh, supposedly have. Well, that's not true. It's just the media is not reporting them to you. So uh, an x-ray technologist from Orange, California, fell ill and was taken to emergency room just a few hours after receiving his second dose of Pfizer COVID-19 vaccine earlier this month. And four days later, he was dead. His wife, uh, Rochelle Zook, uh, when interviewed about this, said, We are not blaming any pharmaceutical company. My husband loved what he did. He worked in hospitals for three, 36 and a half years. He believed in vaccines. I'm sure he would take the vaccine again and he'd want the public to take it. Yes, I'm sure he would take the vaccine that killed him again just to be a martyr for the public. I'm sure that he would do that again. But as she even admits, but when someone gets symptoms two and a half hours after vaccine, that's a reaction. What else could have happened? Exactly. So there are these negative, major, consequential side effects to these injections, which are gene therapy and not vaccines, because we are altering the very fabric, the very foundation of the way that we as humans are programmed to be. That's why they have such terrible side effects, these vaccines. Um, But the response to this is even more staggering than than the the side effects because the side effects you, you to people who have been paying attention aren't su- that surprising when you're using an experimental new technology that's never been tried before and you're injecting it into millions upon millions upon millions of people of course you're going to have these adverse side effects because it's not the same as injecting these vaccines in highly controlled specialized labs um so the response to this was in reality covid uh in reality covid is a much more deadly force and reactions from p- the potential vaccine itself the message is be safe take the vaccine so in other words because covid could also kill you you should take this vaccine which could also kill you wow that sounds like a real healthy thing that i'm doing and then it goes on to say, however, experts caution. So given given that this x-ray technologist from Orange County, California, died a couple of hours, uh, a, a few days after having a severe reaction to the shot, a couple of hours after he received the shot, experts caution that drawing a causal line between vaccination and death is often very difficult to do. And they go on to say, when millions of people are being vaccinated, more than 13 million have gotten the Pfizer vaccine as of January 26, and more than 10.5 million have received the Moderna vaccine, some would die for any number of unrelated reasons as a matter of pure statistics. So in other words, when you're injecting the population with 
on such a large scale. Of course there's going to be deaths that occur um, just by sheer statistics in close proximity to receiving the shot. But the problem is that's bullcrap because it was the reaction he had to the shot a couple hours later that meant he was dead four days after receiving the shot. It was not he received the shot, he had no reaction to it, and then because of statistics, uh, he, he happened to die a few days later. No, it was the reaction he had to the shot that occurred two and a half hours after receiving the vaccine that landed him in the hospital and on and sadly in the grave. I just like to, I think, kind of point out that that is a, like, it's a possibility for that to happen with vaccines, but not with COVID. <laughs> you know, like when someone dies, like more recently, like whether they would have died from, um, I don't know, like some sort of cancer or whatever it is, they like to blame it on COVID. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You know, sorry, I know I'm not explaining myself very well or very eloquently at the moment, but do you want to kind of like explain what I'm trying to say maybe <laughs> more eloquently? <laughs> so I, I think I think I think what you're what you might be trying to get at, if I understand correctly, is um when somebody dies from a from a reaction from the shot. The medical experts say, oh, that couldn't have possibly been because of the shot. But if somebody happens to test positive for COVID, but dies from the cancer they found in their body, or even dies from a car accident, and they happen to be tested from COVID, they get reported as dying from COVID. Yes. Yeah. That's exactly what I tried to say. I just didn't want to come out. <laughs> So, so uh, a Pfizer biotech spokesman even weighed in on this situation, and he said, We closely monitor all events, all such events, and collect relevant information to share with global regulatory authorities based on ongoing safety reviews performed by Pfizer, Biotechnic, and health authorities. Uh, but note that the vaccine retains a positive benefit-risk profile for the prevention of COVID-19 infections. Serious adverse effects, including deaths that are unrelated to the vaccine, are unfortunately likely to occur at a similar rate as they would in the general population. So again, this Pfizer biotechnic spokesperson is using the same line and saying, of course, because you're injecting such a large amount of the population, there are going to be deaths that occur close to people in that group receiving the vaccine. But we have in this case, again, the reaction from the shot killing the person. Not just they had no reaction and they happened to die. And the other thing too is they're justifying that we should we should subject ourselves to this gene therapy because yeah, you might die from it or get a really crazy disease from it that would kill you. But that's okay because at least you won't die from COVID-19. Which is just a ridiculous standard to operate on. Mm-hmm. So... <coughs> In case uh, you're thinking, oh, well, that was just a one-off, you know, okay, one person had a bad reaction to the gene therapy, let's move on, you know, I agree with this Pfizer Biotechnic guy, you know, unfortunately that might happen, um, and again, it was one out of 
almost 20 million people, 20 million plus people that have received the gene therapies. Uh, that's a really, really low statistic. Um, so relative to the the uh, the measures we use to judge whether a medication is is safe, uh, we should still go ahead with injecting the gene therapy into millions upon millions of people. But the problem is, this wasn't an isolated incident. So CDC investigating death of Florida doctor after receiving COVID-19 vaccine. A Florida doctor died about two weeks after he received a COVID-19 vaccine, and investigations have been launched to determine whether the shot had any role in the man's death. Dr. Gregory Michael, a 56-year-old obstetrician-gynecologist at Mount Sinai Medical Center in Miami Beach, passed away on January 3rd. Michael received the Pfizer-BioNTech coronavirus vaccine on December 18th, but then experienced a strong reaction only days later, according to his wife, Heidi Nickelman. He sought emergency care three days after the shot because he had dots on his skin that indicated internal bleeding. The Miami-Dade County Medical Examiner's Office conducted an autopsy on Tuesday and has not ruled out a possible connection to the COVID-19 vaccine. But again, as the uh, Pfizer Biotech spokesperson said, it is highly unusual clinical case for severe thrombocytopenia, which again is one of those side effects that nobody is talking about but is in the U.S. FDA um, document regarding COVID-19 gene therapy and their negative side effects. So again, they know that this is a side effect, but nobody in the government and none of the medical experts that represent these giant corporations that want to make these billions of dollars are saying, yes, these are actual side effects. Except for maybe this guy, because he says, uh, it is a rare condition in an unusual clinical case of severe thrombocytopenia. So he's kind of admitting that, yes, this may be linked to something we've seen in the clinical trials. Um, He said, we are actively investigating this case, but we don't believe at this time there's any direct connection to the vaccine. Pfizer stated there have been no related safety signals identified in our clinical trials, the post-marketing experience thus far, or with the mRNA vaccine platform. But that's not true, because you're looking at one, right? In front of your face. Now, okay, so you're going to say, all right, that's two people. All right, so these gene therapies are still relatively safe. Again, that's two people. Let's go to Norway. Norwegian medical experts warn COVID-19 vaccine side effects could be devastating for patients over 80 and the terminally ill. Now, who are the patients over, who are the people receiving the vaccines in Ontario and Canada right now? Elderly people, the quote-unquote most vulnerable, and they are, to COVID-19. So we're injecting our these gene therapies into this group of people right now. Into our most vulnerable. Yeah, into the most vulnerable. And we have a, uh, a study that says Norwegian health officials say the COVID-19 vaccine may be too risky for coronavirus patients over 80 and the terminally ill. According to the report, at least 23 people have died across the country a short time after receiving just the first dose of Pfizer-BioNTech vaccine, prompting experts to wonder if the shot is safe for the elderly and the terminally ill. Of those deaths, 13 so far have been autopsied, with the results suggesting that common side effects may have contributed to severe reactions in frail elderly people. However, the government, despite the deaths, is not worried. So again, we have another example of deaths directly linked to these vaccines 
these gene therapies being injected to, into the elderly populations, which we're doing right now here in Canada, without hesitation. And again, the government, the the corporations are coming out and saying, ah, don't worry about it. Steiner Madison, a medical director of the Norwegian Medicines Agency, told Norwegian broadcaster NRK that the country's experts are not alarmed by this. It is quite clear that these vaccines have very little risk, with a small exception for the frailest patients. Yeah, again, the elderly, which we're injecting right now with the gene therapy. Um, and this is despite the vaccine having only received temporary approval in the EU. So even the EU is trying to take more time hesitate more with this than we are here in Canada. But because the governments and the corporations are in bed with each other and the corporations want to make their money and the government wants to cover for them so that they can give people a false sense of hope through these gene therapies so that they don't have to look, so that they, they pay less attention to the devastation government through totalitarian lockdowns has rendered to their lives. The government can provide them a false sense of hope that that's going to be over at some point, when it's not. And in fact, it won't be, and we'll have all these people dying. But, again, we're not alarmed by this. Don't worry about this. This is your friendly government spokesperson. And this is all while Yang Zhengkui, a virologist from Wuhan University, again, the epicenter of the covid 19 virus, telling the outlet Friday that the deaths, if caused by the vaccines, show that the effects of the vaccine are not as good as expected. And a Beijing-based immunologist who requested an anonymity, telling the Global Times on Friday that he would that the world should suspend the use of the mRNA COVID-19 vaccine represented by Pfizer, as this new technology is not proven safe in large-scale use or in the preventing of any infectious diseases. So again. This gene therapy that they're injecting into people over the age of 80 predominantly right now is not safe for them, but it's giving everyone this false sense of hope that we might return to normal so that people don't look at the government and say, hey, can you stop killing me? Literally. Can you stop making me be unable to educate my children? Can you stop making me unable to provide for my children? Can you stop making me unable to provide for my children and thus my children starve? Uh, Thus we become homeless. Thus we enter food banks. Thus I commit suicide because of the mental strain. Thus our children commit suicide. Yeah. And, 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 And again, we're just going full speed ahead without caring about any of the ramifications because the corporations that are in bed with the government need to make their money. And and you know, you know how we know this? Because Dr. Anthony Fauci in the United States, despite these horrendous side effects from these gene therapies, came out and said um, that the UK COVID-19 variant and the ominous strain that is circulating in both Brazil and South Africa are clarion calls for people to get the vaccine against the deadly virus with Fauci stating that the new concerning strain should embolden Americans to receive the COVID-19 vaccine and be more prudent in following public health guidelines. If ever there was a clarion call for people to put aside vaccine hesitancy, if we get the overwhelming majority of the population vaccinated, we'd be in very good shape and could even beat the mutant. Again, despite the immunologist stating, the medical expert, not the 
political spokesperson for the government, the medical expert, stating, we actually have no proof that this works or is effective on a mass scale against the virus. So, so again, the, the general message about these gene therapies, again, they're not vaccines, which, which should cause everyone to pause, not only because of their experimental nature, but because they're lying about, and because they're lying about the, the negative side effects of these vaccines. But as Christians especially should cause us to pause and start talking about whether it's actually ethical for us to be altering our RNA and DNA through things like gene therapy. Um, but again, the, the general, despite all this, the general message from the government is we must ignore the negative side effects of the vaccines because people who die from them are dying for the greater good. Again, which is the communist motto that the ends justify the means, something that no Christian believes in. Yeah. And that there has been no evidence that these despite the fact that there's been no evidence that these vaccines will even be effective in providing immunity against the COVID-19 and COVID-19 variants, which shouldn't be surprising to us because these vaccines, because we're dealing with a virus very similar to the flu, are going to be rendered useless every time this virus mutates. That's well, why think we, about the flu, right? Yeah, exactly. Like that's why we receive our flu shot every year. And so these experimental gene therapies aren't even going to be effective for very long if they're effective at all. Yeah. And so uh, this is another reason why we believe on this show that the medical data, the the actually listening to the medical experts and what they're saying about things is the key to returning to normal. Because it uncovers the, the it, it relieves us of this notion that we must be, we must live in a totalitarian society in order to stop this virus. Because this virus is not as deadly as the government is making it out to be. No, not at all. And if that, if, if it was as as deadly or worse than the flu then like why weren't we why didn't we do that with the flu right you know what i mean like it's not necessarily deadlier than the flu or anything like that right like we know from the medical data that uh those under the age of 65 which is the workforce uh have an infection mortality rate so that's the number of people that die when getting the virus that is half that of the common flu. And yet we are destroying our society and, and promoting a totalitarian leftist globalist society that we must live under for something that is as deadly, that is half as deadly as the common flu. Yeah. Um, not only that, but we also need to alter our RNA and DNA. And we have to... Um, ignore the negative side effects of these experimental vaccines that they want to inject into everyone for the greater good they don't care about the greater good they don't care about us we're we're mouth breathers to them they don't 
they don't care about us. <laughs> <laughs> like, so, go ahead, go ahead. Be realistic. Like, if they really did care about us, do you think, like, all the things that are happening now would be happening? Like, you know, to our children, to our elderly, to... Our business um, owners. Our business owners, yeah. They don't care about us. The only people that are surviving are, are like, the big corporations. And the only people that have any a resemblance of normal life are those in politics. They get to go out. They get to do all this stuff. Not the rest of us. Yeah. We and, get to be locked down. And, and I I would just like to point out that, that CB, that myself and L were not negatively impacted or haven't been by the grace of God negatively impacted um, as much as other people have been by these lockdowns. We're, we're relatively unscathed by these lockdowns by the grace of God. Mm-hmm. But we recognize that our fellow citizens, our fellow Canadians, our, our children are being abused by our governments because of these lockdowns. And that's why we're trying to speak out and give a voice to you who have no voice, who are being told by the government right now, your concerns don't matter. If you're not on board with this with this train to totalitarian land because of COVID-19, it doesn't matter. You don't matter. That's what they're telling you. That's why you have no voice. That's why if you protest they now arrest you that's why if you want to open your church and have free have exercise your right to religious expression they come and shut you down that's why when you're even when you're in the political circles they kick you out of the parties and make sure you don't have any um access to any of the political power any of the political levers in society to actually make positive changes while dealing with this virus to allow people to live as the bible talks about us victoriously in the presence of sin in the presence of disease in the presence of death they people who want to do that who want to live victoriously in christ who want to live victoriously in 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 the presence of this virus are being told to sit down and shut up and that you don't matter your suicidal children don't matter you who are suicidal don't matter you who lost your livelihoods you don't matter and that's why i think this show is so important is because we're trying to get this information to equip you to go out and educate yourself further to go out and and push back against the this elite globalist totalitarian leftist system that is being pushed onto us the western world onto our children you're already and you're already experiencing the negative side effects of it and so you can push back against that and say no i want to live in freedom i want to live victoriously even despite covid19 mm-hmm. so uh we're, we're gonna end the show kind of talking about uh what does this brave new world look like so we've already talked about like okay so children can't go back to school it's one of the things about it we now have to get gene therapy um and and inject ourselves and expose ourselves to these experimental drugs that they're calling vaccines um but what else so so 
For starters, uh, there's this from CNBC. Listen. Since the start of the pandemic, experts have urged us to do three things. Wash our hands, maintain social distance, and wear a mask all the time. Not when you feel like it, all the time, when you're not eating and drinking. But now the experts say with these variants, it's time to double up and wear two. This morning, Dr. Fauci endorsed the, endorsed the idea on the Today Show. If you have a physical covering with one layer, you put another layer on, it just makes common sense that it likely would be more effective. More effective, especially with one new variant spreading much more easily. CBC's Contessa Brewer with us now to break down the science behind double masking and what we're all supposed to do. Contessa? Hi there, Shep. Yeah, the experts keep telling us that wearing masks is really about protecting ourselves, protecting others from ourselves in the event that we are contagious. But, you know, if other people aren't wearing their masks or they're wearing them improperly, we need to protect ourselves. So experts say you can double up with a tight weave fabric mask for added protection. Now, Virginia Tech researchers found that doubling up these cloth masks increases the efficacy from 50 to 75 percent. A three-layer mask could block up to 90 percent of the particles. And if you're layering your mask, the disposable surgical mask goes on first, and then the tight-fitting fabric mask goes right over the top. Okay, so frontline healthcare workers use N95 masks. They're hard to find. And some experts say, look, you should really save those for the medical teams. Others say, if you see them on sale, go ahead, just protect yourself. But the Chinese version, KN95 masks are widely available. They're advertised as being five layers. I bought these on Amazon. I wore them through the airport and on the plane for a recent news assignment. The trick with this is really this fit tight around your nose, your face, your chin. In other words, you really should see the mark on your face after you're wearing it. You can also buy these double layer fabric masks. They come with a filter like this one. You can take it out and you wash it separately. But Shep, in every instance, fit is the key here. So again, if you it, it, instead of admitting that masks don't work, with one mask working 50% of the time to stop the spread of COVID-19, we now need Two masks, which work 75% of the team time, or even better, three masks, which work 90% of the time. Why? Because while the elites don't mind us dying from regular old COVID, apparently that was okay. They can't have us dying from these variants. Don't know why, but apparently us dying from COVID is okay, but not dying from these variants. So now they, they're using these variants as an excuse to, to continue to push their totalitarianism on you. Um, and, and of course it's common sense that wearing three masks would be more effective than wearing one. That is what the medical studies on masks and the effectiveness of masks as a source of mass public control of the virus have shown. But the problem is that we know from the medical data you would need to wear so many layers that you would literally suffocate and this whole mention of, like, N95 masks, we know N95 masks aren't effective against COVID because the holes in N95 masks are too big to prevent the virus from going through them. The virus particles are too small for N95 masks to be effective. Not only that, but we also know from these medical studies that, of course, fitted masks, specialized fitted masks, are the only possible 
way to prevent the spread of COVID from one person to another in terms of the effectiveness of masks. So, so in the brave new world, our children can't go to school. We have to subject ourselves to gene therapy and we have suffocation to look forward to. So if you survive suffocation, there's other fun things that we have to look forward to. So we also learned this week that the Ontario government is extending this, the state of emergency and stay at home order. So um, this was expected because Doug Ford said that the, uh, stay-at-home order would last for 28 days. So, uh, and each time the Ontario government implements a stay-at-home order, it lasts for 14. So we had to extend it one more time, and we're expecting him to extend it again. The issue is, is that we already know what's going to happen because we saw it when they said, we need a two-week lockdown in order to prepare, and then we can... We can start opening things up again. And now we're on day 300 plus of that two-week lockdown. And now we're going to have, as part of that two-week lockdown, perpetually a police state in Ontario. So congratulations, everyone. We now live in a police state. (laughs) Uh, So what else? Let's keep examining this brave new world that we're we're so looking forward to here. Um, So the Prime Minister warns Canada can impose new COVID-19 travel restrictions without notice. He said a federal government will closely follow the latest science on more transmissible strains, such as those from the UK and Brazil, and officials could impose new restrictions without advance notice at any time. Acknowledging that people have the right to travel, Trudeau said the government also has the ability to impose penalties for those endangering others' health. This could include the government implementing a mandatory quarantine in hotels for returning travelers for 14 days and implementing more stringent restrictions at land border crossings and further limitation on travel within the country which we just learned yesterday, is going to look like this. So as of Sunday, travelers on non-essential travel abroad will have to take a COVID vaccine upon return to Canada and quarantine at their own expense for three days in an approved facility. And if found to have a positive case of COVID-19, will be quarantined for 14 days in a federal government facility. So congratulations, we now live in a police state. And if you go travel abroad and you come back, your civil liberties will be violated and you'll be put in a concentration camp. Which, by the way, I should point out, may be completely unjustified because we know that there's plenty of false positives that happen with these medical tests. Not only that, but why should people have to pay for three days to quarantine themselves in these federal facilities while they're waiting for a test that may not be positive. How can you demand that Canadians do that? Again, so so civil liberties, gone. So, congratulations, everybody. Lastly, um, and again, we, we talked about this in Good News, Bad News in the week that was, the, the Great Reset is now officially underway. It's officially launched this week. Um, so, our, according to our new overlords at the World Economic Forum, uh, the Brave New World by 2030 will look like this. So uh, they released this a while ago. They actually released this in 2016, but I'm going to go over it now because it's officially begun, the Great Reset. Thank God. I was I was waiting for that to happen. I could not wait. I was going, I hate this capitalism crap where people get rich and people get to work hard and get ahead. I hated that. How dare you be rewarded for working hard? We should definitely put all the lazy people in charge, and that'll fix everything. 
So these are eight predictions for the Brave New World by 2030. You'll own nothing and you'll be happy, because instead whatever you want you'll rent, and it'll be delivered by drone. So I don't know about you, but I can't wait to receive my supply of previously rented toilet paper. (laughs) That's going to be amazing. Um, uh, Prediction number two. The U.S. won't be the world's leading superpower. Instead, a handful of countries will dominate. Again, excellent. Can't wait for Canada to no longer be ruled by Canadians. Uh, We were doing a crappy job. We were really screwing that up. Um, So instead, we're going to be dominated by uh, a cabal of Iran and Russia and North Korea and China. So we have that to look forward to. That's excellent. Um, You won't die waiting for an organ donor because we won't transplant organs. We will print them instead. Um, which is pretty cool, actually. That's pretty cool. Um, prediction number four. A billion people will be displaced by climate change, so we'll have to do a better job at welcoming and integrating refugees. So essentially open borders. So no countries. Um, our countries will no longer belong to us. They'll belong to global elitist systems. Um, and uh, yeah, that, that's going to be really good. Uh, number five. Polluters will have to pay to emit carbon dioxide, and there will be a global price on carbon, which will help make fossil fuels history. So, I have a question about this. So, so if we're going to make fossil fuels history, I'm not sure what they're going to make all of those drones out of um, that will deliver my pre-soiled toilet paper to me. Uh, I also have another question about that. If we're 3D printing organs... uh, how can we do that without the existence of fossil fuel, which provides us with plastic? Um, and, of course, as a Canadian, uh, I'm so looking forward to January's because now I'm going to be able to be in my house but have no heat. So that's going to be so much better. I'm going to get really skinny from all the shivering I'm going to do, so I'm going to be so much healthier. Uh, I mean, you know, I might die from the cold, but if I survive, I'll be so much healthier. Um, number six, you'll eat much less meat. Uh, it'll be an occasional treat and not a staple. Um, again, score. I was so looking forward to this because while well, I'm dying in my house from cold and I'm waiting for my drone, which is delayed because of the shortages of drones, because of the shortages of plastic, because we eliminated fossil fuel to bring in my dinner, I can think and I can salivate over the idea that I'm going to be eating kale and lettuce for the millionth time. So that's going to be amazing. Uh, number seven, you could be preparing to go to Mars as a, sci- a scientist will have worked out how to keep you healthy in space. The start of a, start of a journey to find human alien life. Now, if I'm being forced to go to Mars, no thank you. But if Elon Musk is going to take me to Mars and we're going to be like, screw you, Earth, and this is where the Earth is headed, count me in. Yes. <laughs> we want to join your planet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and lastly, number eight. Western values will have been tested to the breaking point, but checks and balances that underpin our democracies must not be forgotten. So this one really made me think, uh, because I'm wondering who is going to be testing those Western values to their breaking point and then be hiding and then hiding behind those same Western values that are just de- that they are destroying when they receive pushback. Um, because I'm, I'm certain it couldn't be the same World Economic Forum communist elitists who reject western values and instead are building a global totalitarian communist system not at all that's not who's going to be do destroying the western systems and destroying western values and then hiding behind them um when when they push to their breaking point um and of course if you don't like this brave new world and would like to peacefully participate in democracy 
and the checks and balances that underpin our democracies to avoid this future, uh, police are going to arrest you. So police arrest anti-lockdown protesters in Toronto for a second straight weekend, and I'm sure it's happening right now as I speak. Um, And this time, even better, they're warning journalists to go home. So as with last week, I'm in a deepening lockdown due to rising COVID-19 cases and after months of weekly anti-lockdown protests, a heavy police presence was found in Young Dundas Square in Toronto long before the event even began. Journalists were asked to leave, and on one and one early arrival to the protest was arrested. Some protesters, uh, many protesters, sported Canadian flags, um, stating that they would like to see if they if the police were less willing to arrest Canadians instead of anti-maskers. Some protests. Sarah started exercising in front of police because exercising outdoors is permissible under the stay-at-home order. But more arrests occurred before the group of protesters dispersed from the area completely. So again, if you don't, if you want to avoid that fate, um, do nothing. Stay home. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to avoid that fate, uh, you have arrests to look forward to, and you're going to be arrested in silence because they're going to keep the journalists home. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, this is just another example, perhaps the worst example, of how the government elites, the corporate elites, are going to take us to this brave new world, whether we like it or not. And those who object and are suffering the negative consequences of going to this brave new world, they don't care about you, and they're telling you directly that you don't matter. Your family doesn't matter. You don't matter. Your livelihood doesn't matter. All that matters is them and their power. So as long as we can remember that, we're going to have a great trip to the Brave New World. Um, now, I know that on the show, we tend to talk about a lot of these really heavy topics. Um, and, you know, we like to be sarcastic and we hope it makes you laugh every once in a while. Um, as my, as my dad always said, if you didn't laugh, you would just cry. So hopefully you're laughing. Um, and, and you, you enjoy it in, and have enjoyed it so far. Um, but I, I want to, I want to really emphasize this. And I, I think this is really important. Um, the government is saying that they are the answer and that they have the answer is to fix these problems that we're facing as a society. But the reality is they don't. Jesus does. And so it may feel like all these things are falling apart. We're going to be pushed into this brave new world that's going to be terrible. Um, we're, we're going to live in a to, under a totalitarian system and there's nothing we can do to stop it. But I would just like to point out that the Bible, a 2,000-year-old document, says that these things are going to happen and that these things are going to come to pass. And, and that when one world and that when governments begin to form one, a one-world government at the, and their excess is at the expense of the people, things aren't falling apart. They are actually falling into place. Um, since the scripture reminds us the gates of hell will not prevail against the church and the Holy Spirit is always with us for Christ is alive and sits at the right hand of the Father. Amen. Uh, 
So, so we, we just want to really encourage you that we're going to talk about some heavy topics on the show. We're going to point out, uh, hopefully in a funny way, hopefully in an informative way, um, where we're headed and who's doing what and who should be held responsible for what they're doing. Um, but we also are have joy because Christ sits at the right hand of the Father. And we also have no fear. Mm-hmm. And that's why we're speaking out. And, and we would encourage you to, to educate yourself, to, to become engaged, not to become apathetic, um, begin to engage with the culture and the political system. And, and, but most of all, COVID-19 in 2020 is a call to repent and to draw near to Christ, who is the only one that can come in and give you peace that is beyond all understanding. And so we really want to encourage you that churches, people involved in the church, you need to open up now. The harvest is ripe because people are fearful. And we need to be ready to welcome them and give them the hope that is Jesus Christ. Not only that, but if you are fearful and you don't know what to do, repent and call out to Jesus Christ. For he is the one that can save you and loves you. And read your scriptures. Connect with churches. Pray with people. Um, and so I, I, just, I, I just think that we, we both just really want to leave you with that. That yes, things are going to get worse. But we already know how this is going to end. And we already know that we win our hope is in jesus it's it's we're not our home isn't this world and we should remember that right but at the same time even though we're not of the world we are in the world and we are to bring hope to people Mm -hmm. and so churches you need to open up I, i was i was listening to happening now with charlie kirk um from jack hibbs uh church in, in Chino, California. I highly recommend everyone listen to that um, video. It's on YouTube. It's called Happening Now with Charlie Kirk. Um, they really nailed it when they said 2020 and COVID-19 was a vetting process for the church. It, 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 it really showed who was bending the knee to government and who was bending the knee and standing on their knees in front of Jesus Christ and following him. And that's what we need to do as a church. That's what we need to do as Christians. We, by God's grace, have been given the Holy Spirit, which means we have no fear, no fear of death. And we have been given his word. And he has promised that he will give us grace, peace, and wisdom beyond all understanding. We can do this as the church if we rely and turn back to Jesus Christ. But we have to open. We have to be in the trenches with people. This is a time where a lot of people are mourning and weeping and and are, are afraid. And we are the only ones, by the grace of God... 
who can point people to the only light in the world, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit, and the Father. And we must do that. It's time to open up. If you're still waiting for the government to give you permission to open up, or if you haven't educated yourself on the medical data and you're still closed, the time is coming soon where Jesus is going to say, I am done with you. You need to open up. You need to be the church. We need to be the church. And yes, this is one podcast. And we're two people. But wherever two or more gather in in his name, there Jesus is. And Jesus is here and he's telling us, be the church. Don't just say you're the church. Don't just feel like you're the church and that you feel good. Be the church when it matters. That's when we fulfill the Great Commission. So uh, I I know a lot of you are hurting right now. I know a lot of you are going through really tough times with your children, with your spouses, um, with 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 loss of income, um, and and I just want to leave you with this because Jesus is the Word, and the Word is 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 the only hope that we have. So I just want to leave you with this, and this is from Isaiah fifty five one to two. Ho or listen. Everyone that thirsteth, come ye to the waters, and he that hath no money, come ye, buy, and eat. Ye, come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. Wherefore do ye spend money for that which is not bread, and your labor for that which satisfieth not? Hearken diligently unto me, and yet ye that which is good, and let your soul delight itself in fatness." So again, I just encourage you to rest in Christ, repent, and churches open, open, open. Preach God. Preach Christ crucified. That's what people need to hear. They don't need to go to church and be told, yeah, you, you still need to be destitute and you there's no way you can live victoriously with this virus. That's not what people need. And that isn't even the truth. People need Jesus so that we can live victoriously even in the presence of this virus. Is there anything you wanted to add? No, I just pray that this, our show blesses you um, and that encourages you and know that, you know, we are here. um, We are fighting the good fight. And um, we just pray that um, you join us in this journey. Um, And knowing that we need to fight for our beliefs and we need to fight for Christ. Um, and we just want to take the time to thank you for listening. And um, that's, that's it for me. And, and, uh, and I'd like to reiterate too, like if there's anything you want us to talk about on this podcast that you're going through, anything that you want to know more about, um, any questions you might have, we would love to hear from you. Again, connect with us on Twitter, on Facebook, um, and and uh, share the podcast with people who might need to hear it. Um, again, we're doing this because we love Jesus Christ and, we've, and we know that he's called us to do this. So again, like like El just said, if it's blessing you, um, pass it along to others who, who, 
hopefully we'll be blessed through it um um and and just yeah connect with us and 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 we really appreciate all of you yeah and that's all the time we have for this show today um take care god bless ephesians 6 10 to 18You've been listening to the Good Is Dumb podcast. Check out more of the show on demand at anchor.fm, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Overcast, Castbox, Pocket Casts, SoundCloud, YouTube, or wherever podcasts are found. Also connect with and follow LNCB on Facebook, Parlor, and Twitter at Good Is Dumb Podcast.